0: Are you sometimes unsure of how to read nonverbal body language at work? Could you be missing out on subtle clues about what someone is really thinking? Imagine how valuable it would be if you were better at decoding those signals to help you be a more effective leader, negotiator, or team player. Powerful indeed, my friends. And when we come back, today's guest will give us some tips on how to get better at reading nonverbal body language at work.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line.
0: Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today I'm delighted to welcome Martin Brooks to the show. Martin is an experienced communication coach and trainer who applies his expertise in how to read nonverbal body language to help his consulting clients have a better understanding of others, as well as communicate more effectively themselves. His body language analysis has been aired on the BBC, LBC Radio, and the Discovery Channel. And his new product, Body Language Decoder, includes 50 illustrated cards that reveal what others are really thinking. How cool is that? So let's have him join us now. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Martin.
1: Well thank you very much, Hannah. It's fantastic to be here to share some insights with your audience.
0: Well, it is a fascinating subject How to read nonverbal body language. How did you get interested in that
1: well i've I've got a career background that started on the fifteenth of august nineteen ninety one in sales and and progressed then into sales leadership. And one of the things that was always important to me was, well, what would give you a competitive advantage as a salesperson? And then when I was training my sales teams and motivating them, how to help them be be more successful. So a psychology lecturer said something many years ago that stuck in my mind and was, what's the difference that makes the difference? What is the things that the person who comes first does more often more of the time? So I was always very interested in Language patterns, voice, body language, the structure of language, anything that could make me and the teams that I that managed more successful in terms of how they interacted with their customers and then, when I set up my own business consultancy in two thousand and two, I really was able to prioritize not only my own clients but also deepening my learning about how we communicate, what makes that what's the difference that makes that difference, and then to be able to share that. With, with my clients to help them be more successful communicators, leaders, negotiators, sellers, presenters, whatever their area of business was.
0: When coaching people on how to use body language more effectively, because you're right, we we show up in so many different ways in the workplace The negotiating the leader, what are you typically telling them not to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's an interesting one. I've I've done a lot of work, as as I think you have as well, in in business schools, and one of the programs that I used to run for a larger training company, they called Personal Impact. And that involved six C-suite leaders coming in and doing a three-minute presentation that I would then pull apart. And it was very, it was like a 50-50 split. It was what you're doing that you need to keep doing, and then it was things that, yeah, those things that you're doing, you wanna stop doing those and do something, something differently. And it was very much, very often about things that they weren't necessarily aware of, but they, when they pointed them out to them, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see how that might negatively impact how other people see me. So from a, a senior leader who would stand with his hands in his pockets, you know, well, what does that say to the people that you're communicating with? Do you really want to come across as that casual? And I remember him saying to me, well, just, there's just somewhere to go. And it's like, yes, but you're not thinking about what does that say? Uh, eye contact, the way people even move, the way they walk into a room, the, the first impression they give when walking into a room and going to do a negotiation. Are their shoulders back? Are they looking at eyeline when they walk? Do they give people a good, f- firm handshake? Particularly in the openings of interactions, be that at the start of a keynote, the start of a of, of a roundtable meeting at the start of a negotiation, we're communicating with our bodies long before we open our mouth and even have finished our first sentence. And those first impressions that other people form can then form what psychologists refer to as a perceptual filter, as in, this is my snapshot, this is what I think of you. And that can then color the rest of the interaction. So it's incredibly important. The big thing that I was always doing was, raising people's awareness about what they might be communicating beyond the words that just come out of their mouth and of course to be more aware of what other people were communicating back to them from their body language as well
0: my goodness yeah it seems that body language really is the first language that we learn as babies we don't have the communication skills to speak full sentences but we, <laughs> we read people's faces that's for sure
1: Oh absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a clip I saw somebody sent me on TikTok the other day and it's like two little infants and their parents put down two little piles of sweets in front of them and they and they said, you know, like we're going out of the room, we're just going to be a minute and when we come back, you know, we can talk about which sweet you have. And one of them couldn't have been more than about 2 and the other one possibly about uh, about a year or so older. And there's this fantastic interaction that involves no language. One of them looks at the other one, raises his eyebrows and smiles and nods his head. And the other one looks at him and he smiles. And then the first one then reaches his hand out but doesn't take the sweet. And the other one encouraged, then does this. And this whole interaction takes place of influence of these these tiny little toddlers and not a word is spoken. It's the most hilarious but also uh, very educational, like you say. There's that communication that they know how to use. They know how to play. And of course, that learning continues all throughout our lives. It's absolutely fascinating.
0: It is fascinating. Yeah, we don't really leave that behind. But you know, in the workplace, in that environment, some people hold their cards very close to their chest. But you've actually created a set of cards called the Body Language Decoder. What would be your top three body language patterns that people could use or look out for? to read nonverbal body language and discover what their colleagues or bosses are really thinking.
1: I think some of the really interesting ones are in the areas of, because the card deck is split into seven sections, deception, power plays, confidence, expressing interest, connection, nervousness, and conviction. And certainly if you're a leader and you're running a team meeting, the expressing interest section is going to be really interesting. Who's really paying attention? Who is nodding along? Who is really signalling that they're fully intent on listening? For example, by doing what we call the mouth cover. So you would perhaps have your elbow on the table. You'd rest your chin on the heel of your hand and then cover your mouth with your fingers. Some people actually go one step further and turn their head slightly to the side so their forefinger, their first finger can point to their ear. So not only are they signaling I'm not speaking by covering their mouth with their fingers, but they're also then visually indicating, hey, I'm really listening by pointing to their ear. It just sends that non-verbal message of you have the talking stick, and I'm and I'm listening. So if you've got a a meeting with a with a with a customer with a colleague and you really want to get across the fact that they have the talking stick and you're intently listening, well, why not signal that by adopting that pose? And that's very very powerful because most people tend not to listen. They're just being silent whilst they're waiting to speak or and you can sometimes see that when people breathe in and hold their breath so their shoulders are raised and you know they're not really listening. They're just waiting for you to breathe in so they can dive right in. So those are some examples there of of the expressing interest. Let people know you're listening and of course the opposite if they're not listening, if, they're, if they have their body orientated away from the person speaking or maybe they're they're expressing nervousness by their by their fiddling with a pen. Then they're not really engaged. They're sending out a message that they're not engaged. And for a manager, that's really useful if they notice people going from being engaged to disengaged. Well, what happened? Or what do they need to change about their communication to get people back on board? Do they need to stop talking and ask a question? After all, there's a reason why Chris Anderson keeps TED Talks to eighteen minutes because that's the magic formula for just as the maximum for how long people can be engaged in one way communication. So, expressing interest is, ver- is a very interesting section. Of course, if you're negotiating with a supplier, the deception tells could be quite interesting in terms of it, when you say ask questions like, Can you deliver on this date? Are you sure that you're going to have continuity of supply with supply chain? issues have been really prevalent in the last year or so. And you want to be listening to, yes, how do they answer that question? But like, for example, a truth slip. So if somebody says yes, but nods their head slightly no, or says no, but nods their head slightly less, these are known as truth slips. And a very famous example is, of course, President Richard Nixon, when he addressed the nation and very famously said, well, people need to know whether or not their presidents are crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And as he said, I'm not a crook, he nodded his head, yes. And then went on to say, I earned every shunt of that money. As he nodded his head, no, I didn't. So expressing interest and deception tells can be really interesting to, to be able to read in other people. And then adjust your communication accordingly. And that's just two of the seven sections.
0: So, in your work with people, have you actually seen that when somebody recognizes one of these these tells or one of these nonverbal body language ticks, for lack of another phrase, that mm-hmm. when they make an adjustment, that the other person makes an adjustment?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. It's like a very subtle dance, and in all of these things, these these are clues. You know, a clue to how somebody is thinking. It's rare that one particular thing will give you an absolute insight into what somebody else is, is thinking or feeling particularly in the area of deception deception experts themselves will all say you need clusters of information before you can actually make a firm decision about what somebody's saying and even then you might get it wrong so it's a clue uh, and what somebody's thinking or feeling inside their head is like a mystery but like any mystery the more clues you've got the more qualified, the more accurate you're likely to be in terms of your answers, and then it can give you some information about. Well, let me if the, if they're thinking that, or if they're feeling this, let me adjust my communication and see how that works. And if I'm right, then obviously the answer is more likely to go this way. But if I've read it wrong, then their answer will probably tell me, and I need to circle back and try a different approach. So it's that, it's that literally the word reading, tra- looking for that understanding of what another person is thinking or feeling and adjusting your message according to that. And once you get good at it, and I remember a lecturer saying this to me about 20 years ago, they said once you get really good at reading other people, you can adjust the second half of your sentence depending upon how people have responded to the first half. So you start saying something and notice how it lands and go, hmm, that isn't quite the reaction I was expecting. And then adjust accordingly. I remember thinking then that that seemed to be a very lofty goal. But like any skill, once you've learned the skill and you develop it over time, and now I quite regularly will do that, I'll say something, see a reaction and go, hmm, that's not quite the reaction I was expecting, or that's a better reaction than I was expecting and then adjusting constantly as I go along in terms of the feedback that other people are giving me. It's like it's like driving a car. You're constantly adjusting the steering wheel to keep it going in a straight line. You never hold it just steady and interactions with other people are like that. You're looking for those signals to constantly readjust, stay on track
0: and achieve the goals that you
1: want from the conversation.
0: That's interesting because it it seems that some people instead of adjusting they just double down Oh, absolutely. I'm curious about when reading nonverbal body language, are there certain parts of the body that are more expressive than others in your experience that as you're learning this skill, because we're not as good at it as you, let's face it. That's why we're listening. That's why I'm interviewing you. (laughs) You know, for a beginner, what would be some things to be focusing on initially to get better at this?
1: certainly the first thing that when for most business people, I mean, there's two sides to this. First of all, there's the expressive body language. They're what what the signals that you give out with your own body language. And then there's the reading of other people. And if you've never really thought about this before, then my first step would be, look, just start becoming more aware of other people. Pay attention to how they respond and interact when you're speaking the vast majority of people, particularly if it's a high pressure business situation like a, like a mm-hmm. meeting or a presentation or a pitch, people tend to be very much in their own heads they're thinking about what if I got to say now, what am I going to say next or what what what's on my next slide what's that fact what's that figure and they're very much internally focused now so they could have a, a an individual or a room full people or more often than not a series of screens and a zoom call on a on a computer screen that are giving them signals that are subtle sometimes and sometimes not so subtle, and they're not picking them up because they're inside their own head. They're caught up in their own thought process about what they're saying and what they're going to say next. I think the first step for reading other people is to start developing the opportunity to maintain that train of thought, but pay attention to the people that you're talking to, either in real life or over a virtual platform. The other way around, that's actually the first stage, and then you can start to think about the, the face or the hands or people's posture or how they breathe or the, the coloration in their face or their eyebrows can be very expressive if they're just listening to what you're, what you're saying. On the expressive side then, certainly we, I talked about your, your first impression. So eye contact, all the, all the basics that are so important. Eye contact, a smile. If you are face to face and it's all COVID compliant, you know, a good firm handshake, you know, stand tall or sit tall, make sure you're expressing that level of confidence in self so other people can have confidence in you. And then think about things like your hand gestures, making sure you're making the the body language decoder has a whole section on on confident behaviors, a number of which are hand gestures, which allows people to think of you as confident. Because if you're doing confident behaviors, then people will think of you as confident. And in business, whether you're asking people for an investment or to invest their time, or to, if you're asking for a team to buy into you as a leader in the vision, they need to see that confidence in order to be able to make that investment. So being aware of your more expressive behaviors and expressing confidence that that's what's required then that's a good start start position in term in terms of that. So there's two sides to so it. There's the there's the expressive side and then there's and there's the reading side and those are some good places to start.
0: Good, because we all need a good starting place. But you mentioned something interesting that you may not be in person. You may be over a Zoom call or some mm. other type of video video conferencing platform. How does that impact the amount of information and the clues that we can gather? Is there something that that then heightens or needs to heighten our awareness for what's happening on the other side of the screen
1: yeah absolutely I, and this this is really interesting for business because with the global pandemic and the shift to much more virtual communication i mean 2020 was just about survive and just about let let's keep communication channels going let us let's, let's do the basics and i think 2021 now i'm certainly into 2022 is going to be okay we kind of mastered just the functionality of this virtual communication. But we know it's not working as well as it could because we're having people talking about Zoom fatigue, for example. And I've got a strong personal belief that Zoom fatigue is a symptom of a non-engaging speaker. That something's happening, that, that the speaker is not being as engaging as they need to be in order for the other person to make it easy for them to pay attention. So I think a lot of Zoom fatigue, I mean, some of it just comes from volume. If you're doing it eight hours a day, that's just too much. But some of it certainly comes from having to work harder to achieve the same level of engagement as you would have face-to-face. Now, why is that happening? When a number of Zoom calls or other platforms that I've seen, one thing is that if people have got their cameras off, it's very difficult for a speaker to have that same level of enthusiasm when they can't actually see somebody. So even though we can't, We're not seeing each other right now. I made a decision to pull up your LinkedIn profile, pull open your profile picture that's as big as it can be on my screen because that helps me feel like I'm talking to a real person. And that should be, you you should be able to hear that in my vocal inflection. And the fact that I'm just looking at my hand, I'm gesticulating as if you were here, as if you were speaking. So the really important thing in virtual platforms is to think about how can I come across as engaging as I need to be. And certainly the use of our hands and our gestures, we need that to keep that visual level of engagement because we are not face-to-face. And I think it's an absolute disaster for anybody as a communicator to have their own camera turned off and then go, why aren't people engaged with me? Well, you've just shut off this huge channel to their brain. The visual part and human beings are, in fact, primarily visual. And then encourage people to have cameras on because as a speaker you need that and of course you can't read any of the non-verbal behavior of, of an audience be that a, a customer or your team or your colleagues if you can't actually see them so you need that non-verbal feedback because to find out how they're feeling to to read their reactions to things and to be able to adjust accordingly so the big things for me is about getting yourself into that mental excited state that you need to put extra juice into to do it as as well virtually as you would do in person. And make sure we don't get lazy in terms of that vocal inflection or the gestures. The communication agency, Duarte Inc., you know, who advised, I think it's 25 of the world's top 35 brands, I think that's their, their tagline. Their chief strategy officer, Patty Sanchez, has written a book called Presenting Virtually. And one of the things that's fascinating in an interview she said, recently said, talking about it, she said that people need to make a greater performative effort. You need to make a greater performative effort. And that's something I've been talking about for a few months, but it's wonderful when somebody says two words and you go, that's what I've been talking about. So using your hand gestures, perhaps even a little bit more on a virtual call in order to get that visual engagement and get that energy across to make it easy for people to stay engaged with you. I think that's crucially important. And another colleague of mine said something beautiful. He said, don't talk to the camera. Remember, you're talking through the camera to the people on the, on the other end. Some of it's mindset as well. So some of it's the physical setup, having the visuals for yourself and getting yourself into that, making a greater performative effort to make sure it's, you make it easy for people to stay engaged with you so Zoom fatigue can go away.
0: Very good, because it really is about how to keep that energy level up. Mm. And gesturing I remember somebody once saying that just even to have a receptionist in a traditional in office setting sound friendlier on the phone is to keep a mirror on the desk and ask them to smile as they're answering the phone because it Absolutely. does make a difference in their inflection of their voice. And it just it just comes across as warmer and people will be more willing to engage. So this is fabulous advice. I, I really appreciate it, Martin. I'm just also, I'm just so curious here. <laughs> what type of ver- nonverbal body language is easily misread?
1: Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Well, I think very often, the thing is not, not, it's not so much misread, it's that people see what they want to see and don't see what they don't want to see. It's, it's like we've all been to presentations or keynotes uh, something you said earlier, that aren't working, and the person just keeps going. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to see lack of engagement, so I'll, I'll just press on. I'll, I'll, I'll just ignore the, the nonverbal feedback that I'm getting. So that's something that you that you often see, an unwillingness to register what's right there in front of them. I think that's because that would mean they'd have to vary from their script. They'd have to stop. They'd have to ask a question. They'd maybe have to have a more difficult conversation that they don't want. So it's the old adage, you know, you see what you want to see, you don't see what you what you don't want to see. So I think that's one of the, the big issues that, that I, I often see in, in business, an unwillingness to engage with things that they don't want to see because they want to maintain a, a positive, oh, it's working, it's going really well. Everybody's loving my keynote and I'm looking around the room going, No, they're not. But you're not adjusting because you're not seeing what you don't want to see. I I find that a great deal because it requires a flexibility that people haven't prepared for.
0: You're right. They haven't prepared for it. And they're afraid that now they're going to be stammering or have to answer a question that they really don't want to answer. (laughs) Yeah, For sure. Yes, definitely. I appreciate your insights on how to read nonverbal body language. I think it's something we all need to get better at and it's useful in all aspects of our life and I think in all of our relationships, not just in the workplace, but at, at home and with the people that are close to us. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Martin's work and how to read nonverbal body language, his contact information is going to be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com along with a link to his amazing body language decoder cards. I think we all need a set of those. And if you know someone who's interested in how to read nonverbal body language better, tell them about Martin Brooks's work and this podcast episode. Share the link, leave a positive review on your podcast app, or come on over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash confidential. Makes it really easy there because this is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. And I thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day and an even better tomorrow.